Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Before Jesus left this earth, he, he said this to disciples, which he says to us today. It's known as the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is why this word all is why we say in our mission statement, we want all people to know God. We want, this is about all people. This is about all nations. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to teaching them to obey, not just teaching them, not just giving them information, but teaching them in such a way that leads to their transformation through obedience, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we are making disciples, we are baptizing people, and we are teaching them to obey. Jesus is saying, you make them, then you mark them, and then you mature them. The order is really important. We don't, we don't mark before we make, uh, and we don't mature before we make or we mark. When the church spends, for example, the church is terrible at this. We, spend, we sometimes spend all of our time you know, critiquing behavior and culture, essentially complaining that non-Christians are not acting like Christians. And, and the message that we can sometimes give is you have to act like us before you can be one of us. This is totally against the gospel. First Corinthians uh, 6, 9 through 11, Paul writes this. He says, or do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor idol, uh, adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this sometimes is all the message we give. We just say, hey, look, you know, you're out, you're out. If you do these things, you're out, but check this out. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. But this is what happened to us you were washed, you were justified, you, you were sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. Something happened to you, something happened to us. God did something in our life. We were made something. We, we, weren't, we used to be a different way, but we were made differently. And, and that's what Jesus is saying, that, that you have to become, you have to be made before you can mature. So we, we, we make them, we, we, we mark them and then we mature them. In other words, Jesus expected and commanded, and as we'll learn in our text today, made provision for us to be totally different to change. But it's been my experience, and I think if you, know, if you thought about it for a bit, Christians have a habit of not changing. And I've got four reasons why they don't change. I think... Um, I think one reason I'd say would be that Christians get caught up in a ritual. So Christianity is defined as a ritual. It's defined as I go to church, I carry my Bible, I support my missionary friend, I do these Christian things, but I'm just like everybody else. I covet like everybody else. I want what everybody else wants. And we substitute a ritual for transformation. Or number three, we substitute debate. Instead of changing, we substitute debate. So I am staggered by the number of people who have boiled down Christianity to an argument. I argue, I attack, I debate. My thing is your thing is wrong. Newsflash, if that is your thing, you have made a horrible exchange. You, instead of focusing on your transformation, you have focused on other people's 
humiliation. That is not what we're called to do. Number two, sentimentality. So your faith is date stamped, 1972, 1994, 2005, when I was single, when I just got married. Um, you had an awesome thing with God, and now you're living on the fumes of that. But what about now? What is God doing today? Where's the fruit of your life today? How are you experiencing that power today? What is Christ doing through you today? Sentimentality stunts the growth of many. But the number one reason I see is apathy. You've got fire insurance, and that's all you really care about. And perhaps the pandemic has made that a little bit more Obvious. So, so, so you put up some boundaries, but you simply just do whatever feels right without any real consideration what God wants. But biblical Christianity is not just a mental assent to what your eternal destiny may be, but it changes you now. And that's what baptism represents. Baptism represents a profound thing that happens inside of you. So you, you, are, you are made a disciple, you are marked as a disciple, and then you begin to obey everything that he has commanded. And that's what our text is about today. That's what Paul is today. And he uses baptism. He uses the picture that we see in baptism, which is why I'm talking about this today, how this change uh, has happened inside of us, but how this change should eventually become um, evident in our lives. So those for, for who us want to change, uh, Paul has some awesome, awesome words for us today. And so I want to talk about those. So a few things that Paul mentions that relate to our change uh, that I want to discuss. So I've got three points from the text today. Number one, we are united with Christ. Paul makes a big deal about how we are united with Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, imagine someone becomes rich through a lot of hard work. They educate themselves, they study, they work really hard over a long period of time, and they accumulate a large amount of wealth. And so the riches that came to this person are because of their own brilliance, their own hard work, their own effort. And then this person, she gets married and she joins herself to another in marriage and now her husband is rich as well. Well, how did the husband become rich? Through legal union, through grace. One person did everything to get the wealth and the other person just got it because they're, they're, they're connected, they're, they're in union, just like it's grace. It's, that guy is rich because of grace. She is rich because of her effort. He is rich because of grace, because of legal union. How is it that Jesus sits in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father? I mean, look what he's accomplished. I mean, look at the humility, look at the sinless perfection, look at the victory over Satan, look at his freedom and overpower. Jesus has earned the right to sit at the right hand of the Father. Everything that Jesus has, he has earned. Romans 6 says, that you and I though have legal union with Christ, which means that whatever is true of Jesus is now legally true of us, not because of our work, but because of his work. He deserves, um, excuse me, yeah, we get what he deserves. Like he did all the heavy lifting, he did all the work, we did nothing, but how do we have everything that Christ has? Legal union, we are united with Christ, it's an amazing thing. The determining factor of what makes you, you, if you're a Christian, is not your past, but his past. And because the father dotes on Jesus, the father dotes on you. Because the, Jesus has the favor of the father, you have the favor of the father. Because uh, the father sees Jesus as beautiful, he sees you as 
Beautiful. All of what we have as a Christian is independent of our performance, but is 100% connected to the performance of Jesus. This is so radical and so huge that the text, I mean, one of the questions that people were saying, well, if this is so true, why don't we just keep on sinning? I mean, I've got my, you know, get out of hell, you know, card, you know, why don't I just live the way I want? Paul answers this question by essentially reminding us of our baptism. So baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality and saying, hey, look, your baptism communicated something that is real to you. And and one is, is that you have this union with Christ. You are united with Christ by faith. You have this union, you have this relationship. But secondly, forgiveness is just the beginning of your life in Christ. Forgiveness is not the end of your life. Forgiveness is just the beginning. It is the doorway into life. So, um, In the Gospel of John, he says, I write these things that you might believe, and by believing, you may have life in his name. So receiving this free gift of forgiveness, which is amazing, believing in Jesus is just a doorway, but we're meant to go through that doorway into life in Christ. And that's where Paul says. So Paul says, you have forgiveness, but that is just the beginning. The purpose of you identifying with the death of Christ, which again gets dramatized in baptism, is for our forgiveness. And I think for the most part, Christians are pretty familiar with this. You know, this is great news. I have sinned and I failed miserably. I deserve punishment, but I get a pardon. But that's not the whole story. And the, one of the reasons why Christians don't change is because they stop there. This is just, forgiveness is just the beginning of your life with Christ. The day that you are made a disciple and marked as a disciple is the beginning. And now the rest of your life is being matured as a disciple, not by collecting a bunch of information, but by uh, learning to obey everything that Christ has command. Forgiveness is just the beginning of our life in Christ. And I'm not judging anyone, but this is one of the reasons why we don't have crucifix all throughout our buildings. Um, if you don't know what a crucifix is, it's basically a picture of Jesus on the cross. But I've got good news. He's not on the cross anymore. He was buried, he rose to new life, and now he is right now ruling and reigning at the right hand of God and he wants to live his life through you. Now, don't mishear me. We love the cross. We do communion every week at our in-person services, celebrating the fact uh, what Jesus did on the cross, his broken body, his spilt blood. We love what happened on the cross. However, that's the Friday part. We need to talk about the Sunday part, which is that he rose from the dead and he is alive now. And check this out. He wants to live his life through you and me. Have you ever heard the term, man, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. That's all about him living through, um, living through in us and through us. And that is the full glory of the gospel. When you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is everything that he says he is, that he was and is, that his death becomes your death so that you don't have to pay the penalty for your sin ever. You don't ever, 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 ever have to pay the penalty for your sin, that his burial becomes your burial, that your uh, sin is six feet under. Uh, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? Because your sin is buried in as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? That is forever. And that is a moment in and of itself that we should just bring up the band right now and celebrate the fact that our sin is removed from us. But I want you to know that that's not all there is. And we have been raised to life. We have been raised to life 
in Christ and sin and death have no more dominion or power over me. When you join yourself to Jesus by faith, this is your new reality. This is the new you. And listen to me, your next step, if you're doing that right now, if, if, if today is the moment you are saying, I am now putting my faith and trust in the work of Jesus. I'm no longer depending upon my work, my effort, what I, I'm depending upon what he has done. Your next step, not before believing, uh, but not long after believing is to identify with him through baptism, that you have died with Christ and now uh, you are buried with Christ. So when we baptize people, we submerge them. That's what baptism means. It means to be immersed. It means to go under. We plunge people underwater, dramatizing our burial, burial. And then we are raised to Christ. And so in baptism, when we come out of the water, it demonstrates that we have now been raised to Christ. And this is Paul's like, hey, don't you remember your baptism? In your baptism, you went under. You were, your sin was buried. It is with you no more. And, but now, listen, you, are, you, you came out of the water. You didn't stay under. You came out of the water, and now you have this new life in Christ. So remember your baptism. Remember what your, what your baptism demonstrated, the reality that it demonstrated every time you see someone baptized. Every time you see someone baptized, you can remind yourself, oh, that's, what, that's really what happened to me. It's an awesome gift. <laughs> Sometimes we don't have words for the salvation. I mean, he even says in 1 Peter says, uh, or Peter says in his first letter in verse 12, he says, the angels long to look at this salvation. I mean, the angels look at the gospel and say, we don't get it. I mean, we mess up once and we get cast out, but these guys just keep sinning, but Jesus somehow forgives them because of what he did on the cross and not only that, he puts his power in them. So no, it's no longer they who live, but check this out. It is Christ who lives in me. I'll say it this way. God has provided nothing in your flesh to live as a Christian. That's why we have to make disciples before we can expect for them to be mature. You cannot be a Christian without the spirit of God living through you. God just doesn't want to forgive you Jot this down. He wants to change you. Baptism represents our identity in Christ. And then it reminds us to live in the freedom from Christ. When you are struggling, when you feel, feel that you have no hope, remember your baptism. First of all, experience your baptism, not as a way of looking forward to what would happen, but as a way of looking back to what has happened. So experience baptism and then remember your baptism so that you will do number three, live your identity by saying no at sin at the point of temptation. That you will, that you will learn, that you will grow in saying no to sin at the point of temptation. Donald Barnhouse, a Bible commentator, tells a story of a U.S. soldier that was sentenced to death. And, and, the, and just before he was getting ready to get executed, a, a U.S. general rides up and drapes the American flag over him. And then he yelled, do you know who he, this is? Do you know who this is? And this, uh, this is an American soldier. And if you harm him, you will invoke the wrath of the United States. And then everyone leaves. And then he looks at the soldier and he says, now go live in the freedom that was won for you. 
If Romans 6 is anything, it is the Father covering you with Christ and saying to every demon and devil and even your own condemning heart, do you know who this is? He is covered. She is covered with the blood of Jesus, purchased with the blood of Jesus. Do you know who you are? You have been purchased with the blood of Jesus. You weren't cheap. You weren't an afterthought. I didn't spare anything. Do you know who you are? And then he will say to us, now go in the freedom that was purchased for you. The text says in verse six that the old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin would be made to, what's that say? Nothing. Nothing. The penalty of sin has been removed uh, in forgiveness and the power of sin has been broken in your life through the power of the resurrection. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? Lives in you. Now, some would say, Brian, dead is not the word I would use to describe in my relationship to sin. And I get that and I understand that maybe for you, sin feels very much alive in your life. Here's an analogy that may help. Think about an oak tree. Uh, 30 years ago, let's say a vine was planted by the oak tree and this vine covered the oak tree. You can't see the bark. You can only see the vine. Imagine that, you, that you're the tree and the vine is sin. Now, when you come to Christ, God effectively took an ax and at the root of that vine and severed it. Now, let me ask you, at that moment that the ax went to the vine, was the vine dead? Is the vine dead? Oh, yeah, of course it is. But the vine is still all around you. It, it's dead, but it's still all around you. What Romans 6 is saying, that while sin may be covering you, uh, even pressuring you, it's dead in your life. And the first step in growing through repentance and becoming the new you, the text says in verse 11, is that you must consider yourself by faith dead to sin and alive in Christ. You've got to know who you are. You've got to realize who you are, even though sin may be all around you. You must believe it. It must be personal to you. I cannot make it personal to you. You must make it personal to you. How do you have faith in this area? Well, how do you, how'd you become a Christian? Uh, Colossians 2.6 says, therefore, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. Well, how did you receive Christ? Romans 10.9 summarizes, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You've got to believe it and you've got to confess it. You've got to believe it and you've got to confess it. What comes out of your mouth is very important. Like I said, Romans 6.11 says that we must consider that we are dead to sin. This word consider is an accounting term. It means to put in the right column. If you don't put things in the right column, it messes everything up. In the business world, uh, a business could be doing great, but if an accountant puts the numbers in the wrong column, it, it may be doing well, but it looks like it's doing bad and vice versa. You must put yourself in the right column. You are not a sinner, you are a saint. By faith, by grace, you are a saint, not 
a sinner. You are saved, holy, set apart, justified by the blood of Jesus. And the key for your change, and this is important, I want you to get this, is that at the point of temptation, you must declare, you must believe, and you must declare that you're dead to that. I am dead to lust. I am dead to materialism. I am dead to pride. I am dead to anger. I am dead to that, and I am alive in Christ. That's what my baptism represented, that I, my sin, my sinful life, it's been crucified with Christ. I buried it at six feet under. It has no power over me. I am now alive in him. This life I live, I no longer live by the flesh, but it's his power working through me. I'll close with this example. Uh, consider Augustine. So much wisdom about what we know about God came from this brilliant African mind. However, before Christ, he had a well-documented lust issue. And this is a true story. Um, he's going down the street and an old mistress uh, uh, sees him and tries to get him to go ha have another fling. And he responds, uh, you know, nice to see you, but no, thank you. <laughs> And he just starts to walk away. Well, the mistress thinks, well, maybe, maybe he didn't recognize me. And so she turned to him and says, it is I. And he says, I know, but it is not I. In other words, she's saying, it's me. And Augustine is saying, yeah, I know, but it's not me. What he's saying is, I used to be a person who had multiple female companions. I used to be that person, but that's not me anymore. I am dead to that. I am choosing I am choosing to live out my new life in Christ. And that's what you and I must do. At the point of temptation, we must believe in our heart. We must confess with our mouth that we are dead to that and we are alive in Christ. When you are sitting in front of your computer screen, you need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you are dead to that. That's not who you are anymore. You used to be someone dominated by lust, but that's, you're dead to that. When you start rehearsing in your mind the, the hurt that other people have caused you, the real hurt that other people have caused you, and you feel bitterness start to grow in you, you need to believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that that's not who I am anymore. I used to be someone who holds on to an offense, but I am dead to that and I'm alive in Christ. I used to be someone riddled with fear and insecurity about the future, but I'm dead to that. I used to be someone who shaded the truth, but I am dead to that. I used to be someone who was apathetic about the pain of others, but I'm dead to that. And I am now alive in Christ. And 21 people today, are declaring by faith, dramatizing by faith, that they are dead to an old way of living. That on the cross, Jesus killed our sin-dominated self. He took away the penalty. He is taking away the power. One day he will take away the presence of sin. And they are declaring by faith that I have died, that I have been buried. It is no longer has anything to do with me. It's six feet under. It's far as the east is from the west. And by faith, they are declaring as they come up out of the water that I am new, that I am different, and I am changed. And then they, that first yes becomes a lifetime of yeses, walking in this newness of life, walking in the freedom that was purchased for them. And maybe today for the first time, you're like, I want that freedom. I want to receive this free gift of righteousness, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You need to become a 
Christian. This ways for you to respond are coming up on the screen right now, but you need to become a Christian. You need to identify as a Christian. So you need to become a Christian, you need to become a disciple, you need to identify through baptism. You need to remember before you just say, I gotta be, I, you know, before you just motivate yourself with guilt and like, oh, I sinned again, oh, I did this again, I'm guilt, 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 shame, 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 shame. No, no, no. Remember your baptism. Remember what Christ has done for you. He has removed the penalty and he has removed the power. And with the knowledge, with the knowledge that your old life is dead and his power now lives in you, live out that identity. Allow him to live through you. If you need help with this, I wrote a booklet uh, a few years back and we would love to send that to you. If you would like a copy of that, uh, make that request as well and we will send a copy to you.